Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. And today we are going to be starting part one of our two-part episode of David. Two parts. There we go. Man. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. six-year-old dream came true not the dream that you had six years ago but the dream (laughs) that you had as a six-year-old child a six-year-old Ellis okay if the dream you were dreaming of your life became true what would you be doing right now uh I would probably be a power ranger yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I I it's it's been a while I'm trying to remember but yeah I'd probably be a power ranger uh probably the red one because they were always the best so yeah Yeah. well I thought the green one I I I, the power rangers came out when I was a little bit older Mm -hmm. but didn't the green one become uh, like a super awesome one so in the original in mighty morphin power rangers we're gonna break it down here the original the green ranger was the best but the red ranger was always like the leader of the team and they didn't always have a green one like in some of the ones after so okay so the, like the arc of time, I guess, says the red one is the best. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd probably be a Ninja Turtle. There you go. Like I, I'd probably be Michelangelo the Ninja Turtle. <laughs> like he was my he was my favorite one. I also liked uh, Donatello. Like mm-hmm. I would run home from school every day, just plop down on in the living room on the floor and watch and watch the Ninja Turtle. So I would probably be a Ninja Turtle nice. if 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 the dream I had at that point in time came true that is what i would be doing awesome so yes we can make for a cool crossover episode <sighs> that would saying. be cool like the after chat with a ninja turtle and a power ranger <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what we would discuss but that might be a good halloween episode. i was gonna say if we're still around here for halloween <laughs> then I mean, that might be the one there you go um irrational fears irrational do you have fears any? um i think i think my fear of snakes is probably leans irrational okay i like i think it's rational most other people seem to think it's irrational yeah something about the fact that they don't have legs is it freaks me out and they move incredibly quick yes like even in water they just blast right through it and you can't you can't see them coming sometimes like i don't yeah i don't mm -mm. no when uh went out to uh natural bridge a few weeks ago and have you ever been there i have not okay so awesome place you need to go check it out um so you go down and you're walking along this walkway and i had no idea but people were just like pointing out snakes left and right and then whenever you turn you start kind of looking you're like holy smokes there's a snake holy smokes there's a snake they're just hanging out like like sunning themselves nope but all over the place Mm-mm. nope no i don't i don't dig them either i will i will hightail it if i even think <laughs> there's a snake i am gone i am out of there so what's uh, yours um uh, Weird diseases and mm-hmm. bacteria. Like, I mean, I had, I, I they're well-founded, I think, for me, because I had flesh-eating disease, um, which most unpleasant. But <laughs> just to kind of put it, to put it lightly, most unpleasant uh, of all the afflictions, that's probably one of the worst. Um, but just weird things like that. Like, I, I don't like to let my, my ears go underneath uh, natural bodies of water that, aren't like filled with chemicals to kill all the things sure because i like i'm worried that a brain eating amoeba mm-hmm. type situation is going to get in there and that's where i'm at yeah. <laughs> like but i think it's well founded i would say so but for most people you know they're just like oh that's just hedrick being silly the but. common ground is you'll find both of us at the pool. <laughs> yes. There you go. Where you can see what's coming and there's chemicals in there and, to kill all and the germs. Literally everything yeah. is dead. So yeah. yeah. That that's mine. Um Would you consider yourself a germaphobe? But not really though. Okay. Like, but it's just it's just anywhere where I've seen on the news where a weird disease has happened. Okay. Like like uh well, like natural bodies of water. Like you, like I heard this uh, this story about someone who went ziplining in Georgia, um, went had, was having a great time, got a scrape, and then flesh eating disease lost a bunch of limbs. Mm-hmm. Like things like that terrify me. So I know that there's things in those natural bodies of water. Yeah. So I 
So it has to hit a out. has to hit a certain threshold. Not yes. like you're not scared of like the common cold. No. Okay. Like, I got that it. doesn't bug me. Yeah. Or 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 picking up things off the floor or whatever. Like I don't worry about all. Not that I'm running around eating food off the floor because <laughs> I think that's just kind of what got him blind. <laughs> <laughs> track here real quick oh man um i don't know what are we talking recover. about what are we doing here um oh, irrational man. fears oh yeah that's okay, right yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no like like i'm not a jerk folks. gotcha okay i'm not worried about being around people that have that are that have a, uh, the sniffles or a cold <laughs> i'm not also eating food off the floor regardless right. of how that just came across However, like I do get worried about just weird rando diseases. Gotcha. So okay, there we go. Now that we're all on, now we all have an understanding. We, we okay, circled that we got one. it. We got right back on track. All so, right. Woo. Overrated movie. What's the most overrated movie? The most overrated movie. Um, Titanic. I think this yeah. is an easy one. It's, yeah. I mean, look, we all know why they made a movie out of it. Like we know what's gonna happen, yes. so can we just can we move along and get to that part? It does drag out yes. for a very long time. Yes. Although Billy Zane in that movie, like he was fantastic. Yeah, like he's a right underrated as far as underrated actors go. Uh-huh. Dude, I think Billy Zane is right up there. Like he played like the the villain for. I mean, I guess he's the villain in that movie. <laughs> yeah, villain. Um, but but very. I, th- I, think, I think the iceberg's the villain. I mean, personally. if there's anybody to blame for the mishaps, <laughs> like it's definitely that. But I thought like he was fantastic in yeah. that movie. Yeah, no, I agree. You're right. Uh, over other uh, overrated movies, um, Avatar. Oh, like it's just it's long. But and this one's probably going to cause a little bit of a kerfuffle depending okay. upon where people come down on this. I thought Inception. What? Tried to watch it three times, fell asleep three times. What? I know. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, it's. I think this is the first like blatant disagreement we've had <laughs> on the after chat. Like, bro, that I love that movie. Tried oh it three my times, gosh. fell asleep three times. Man. And I wanted to like it. Like I wanted to like it. Like I went in there, huge Christopher Nolan fan, mm-hmm. huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like. Totally awesome. What went in there like biased towards it? Super yeah. excited. Didn't out didn't in thirty land. minutes. No, wow. I don't know what happened. Wow, I know, man. So I'm surprised. I would put uh, Frozen on the list. Frozen okay. ain't that good. Coco is way better. See, I've not watched that one. Oh man, you gotta but, check it out. But I think so. My daughters like we watched a lot of those Disney movies. And so, mm-hmm. but I thought Tangled was one that should have been a much bigger of a hit. I agree. And didn't, and didn't really take off. Also, we talked a little bit about this before treasure planet Oh, yo. and the sequel. Yes. Super awesome. Yes. And totally didn't get like the respect and props that they deserve. Nobody's seen it. No, it's crazy. Y'all got to watch treasure planet. That's, okay? that's the weekend. Coco and treasure planet. There we gave you two. There we go. So watch <laughs> it with the kids. <laughs> or by yourself. Yeah, like, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Treasure Planet, you will. Yes. Like that I know. Uh one piece of advice you'd wish you'd gotten sooner. One piece of advice I wish I'd gotten sooner. Um probably it's it's okay to have feelings. Mm. I I we didn't we didn't do feelings that much in my house growing up. And mm. I think just to take it outside of my individual house, just generally growing up as a guy, yeah, I didn't learn how to do feelings very well until adulthood. And so I'm, I feel like I'm starting from square one a little bit. And you know, we're getting there, but yeah, we're starting from behind. So well, yeah. that, and that's something that, like you mentioned, like that's culturally kind of ingrained. Mm-hmm. Like stuff it down, keep going forward, yes. stiff upper lip. Yes, very know? much so. Like yeah, I get, I can get that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's okay to admit mistakes. That's a good one. Like, anytime, like, that was kind of something, you don't admit that you were wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you 
you you can you just keep arguing that you're right because if you admit that if you admit that you were wrong or you made a mistake that it means you lost the fight yeah <laughs> like it, it, saying it out loud is like an adult it just comes out like it just seems ridiculous mm-hmm. but like when that's what you're kind of brought up kind of in like it's just like you're saying like it, it just that's just the way things are like that's the norm like mm-hmm. that's what you do yeah you know and no it's okay to admit that you're wrong and so I wish I had gotten that a lot sooner. Right. So, yeah. Uh, something you did or are doing now that you never thought would be possible. Just one. How much time do we have? Um, I, I guess I could, I could stop at just going to church period. Yeah. Um, let alone working at one, but like to get even more specific, this, like what we're sitting here doing right now, yeah. talking in front of people, in front of a mic, in front of a camera, like none of that. I took two semesters of public speaking in college. Uh, I majored in English. It was part of my requirements, and I hated it. It was terrible. It was it was terrible for me. It was terrible for anybody who had to witness it. <laughs> Everybody I, involved. <laughs> yes. I scratched and clawed through, and I was like, I am never going to use this again when I was done. God has a funny sense of humor. And here so, you are. Here we are. Yep. No, and I would probably be the same. Like, I would have never expected to be a follower of Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. that was something that I didn't think was I was ever going to be doing. And same, along those same veins, I never thought that I would actually be, like, a leader in a church. Yeah. Like, that was something completely impossible for me. Like, my whole goal was join the military, stay there forever, and then get a job at the post office and that was like that was it like that was what that was my whole plan and then flesh eating disease and here i am like <laughs> so um it's just you never know where life's going to take you but this would have i would have never thought possible yeah so yeah. um uh has there ever been a time where you felt like all odds were against you yes uh so before i started working here i uh went to college i studied to be a sports writer. That's what I wanted to do. That was kind of my dream job. Um, kind of got my foot in the door, did that for a couple of years on a freelance basis and just got the feeling I wasn't playing out the way I hoped, wasn't going to play out the way I'd hoped. And so I decided it was time to look for something else. But there was six months of time in between then and mm-hmm. when I started working here um, and just applying, 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 throwing applications everywhere. Felt like I couldn't get anything going. So um, that was a really like kind of hopeless time in my life uh mm. until until this <laughs> this came around and like i said before here we are so yeah, yeah. now i think for me i uh, i guess if it, it felt like everything was against me whenever i was in really in the deep dark pits of like ptsd and social anxiety i came out of when i got out of the military and and everything with that that i just felt like I had no direction and just the whole world was out to get me. And I recognize now that a lot of that was just in my own head. Yeah. Um, but it felt real and like that at the time. And I mean, I turned to God and Jesus, just like a whole lot of other people is just uh, as a means of like, just last resort. Mm-hmm. Like I've literally tried everything else to like, not make, to, to not feel the way that I was feeling. And it wasn't until I got connected here at our church and, just said, you know what, I'm going all in. Yeah. That I that those feelings of just the whole world and universe and everything is just saying like coming at me that I was able to come out of the other side of that and just be like, yeah, that's stinking thinking as grandpa <laughs> would have said <laughs> uh back in the day. Yeah. Uh but so we're going to be talking about David yeah. who had a whole lot of stuff going not really his way. Uh, through a good chunk of his life. But we're going to be looking for purposes of this episode um, just the first part of David's life from where he's first introduced uh, in the Bible up until he becomes king of, of uh, Israel. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're going to be going with this. But we, everybody's heard of David. Yes. Like whether you're a follower of Jesus or a Bible student or whatever, most people have heard of David or has seen the influence of his existence in, in the world. Yeah, I guess before we get into the story, we have to talk about like how do we know him and mm-hmm. and how well known he is in our in our culture, whether whether we know it consciously or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you look at pop culture, and I mean every specifically the story of David and Goliath, you see that kind of theme pop mm-hmm. up 
so many times. Every sports movie you've ever watched, for instance, is about the underdog team going up against impossible odds against this invincible favorite and somehow pulling out the win. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's every sports movie ever. That's the Mighty Ducks. There you go. Like versus Team Iceland. Right, right, right. Yeah, or Little Giants. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, they even put it in the title. Like, they were not subtle. You know what I mean? That was a great movie. Yeah. As far as underrated movies goes or underappreciated ones, heck yeah. Like, Little Giants. There's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We got you covered. (laughs) Netflix, who? No, we got it. Um, Speaking of movies... Uh, movies in general, not just sports movies, do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Star Wars franchise is one that we both love, but Luke is a farm boy. He is going up against this big, invincible empire. He's going up against Darth Vader, who has these powers and this whole history, and the one, rebels are going against the empire. One and X-Wing versus the Death Star. Exactly, and somehow they're able to pull out the win. Or any boxing movie ever. Any of the Rocky movies, even the ones where Rocky is the champ, somehow he's the underdog in every single one. <laughs> he loses it right out of the gate. Yeah. Clubber Lang, gone. Like, <laughs> Clubber Lang. Ivan oh Drago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ivan Drago, gone. Yep. Like, he's, he's, he's immediately the underdog at the at, like after the end of Act 1. Yeah. Like, he's the underdog again. Ivan Drago, what a guy. If he dies, he dies. Anyways. That's pretty cold-hearted on this part (laughs) no respect for carl weathers and apollo creed no oh man yeah so yeah and another you know and we 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 kind of frame things in real life like that as well um buster like just a real life boxing match Uh like buster douglas versus mike tyson like buster douglas went in there as a complete underdog very much a david and goliath type deal um, the American colonies, like 13 plucky little colonies going up against the, the world empire of the time. That's another example of kind of that. And then a, another real-life sporting event, like the Miracle on Ice, where Team USA defeated Soviet Union in ice hockey, like in the Olympics. So, yeah. I mean, those are just examples of the way that we frame narratives to kind of put who our preferred person in the underdog seat against something seemingly impossible. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you even look at, uh, like, art um, and symbolism. You see it there, too. Uh, I think something that everybody probably knows is the Michelangelo statue of yes. David. Um, you, you probably know what it is. You might not know the history behind it. So the Florence Cathedral commissioned a series of statues of the prophets, the biblical prophets, mm. to be made. But they also chose to include David for reasons that don't seem to be documented anywhere not that i could find anyway if you can find it let us know but um the so they constructed the statue and it kind of kind of became a symbol for the city of florence they faced goliaths on all sides whether it was the medici family powerful neighboring states they're kind of this small underdog city Mm -hmm. um and so they really became attached to the image of David uh, to, as a symbol of their independence and their defiance to these larger oppositions. Yeah. Um, David's eyes are also, this, the eyes of the statue are also pointed towards Rome. Their biggest, really? the biggest kind of, uh, you know, Goliath of an empire near there. And so. that's where they had his gaze directed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and that's, that original statue, the Michelangelo one, was the first of many. There are uh, 30 life-size replicas of this David statue around the world. Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, you have that. You also have the song Hallelujah, which uh, it's by Leonard Cohen. Again, if you you probably heard it before. If you pulled up the lyrics and read it, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. But just a couple that directly reference David. Now, I've heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. Your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew her. Parts of David's story that we'll get to later on. Um, But for some reason, Leonard Cohen was writing the song, decided to make several references to David and other other parts of the Bible. But overwhelmingly, David has the most. Um, So, and that's something I had no idea that about either one of those until you brought started looking at those things to bring it up for the podcast. Those are really cool. Yeah. Um, you also have the Star of David. Again, you've probably seen the symbol before. Um, it was adopted by the Jewish, actually, from Islamic magic literature. They saw this symbol, thought it was cool. I mean, I'm oversimplifying <laughs> yeah. it a little bit, but they thought it was cool. You know what's dope? That Islamic like magic star. That. I'm going to take that, yes. <laughs> 
that's actually how we got the after chat logo. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's not how. We, that's not how that happened. Um, so by the 19th century, the star was widely ado- adopted by European Jews as a symbol to represent their faith, kind of similar to the Christian cross. So I, I started wondering, like, why is this star in mm-hmm. the same conversation as the symbol of Jesus? Like, it meant that much to these people. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me. Um, so you have all of this uh, cultural, artistic, music, literature um, kind of aura around David. But there's also historical evidence of his existence, too, because, you know, um, we know from from being around church, like the Bible, there's a there's people find reasons to be like, where's your evidence? Is this yes. real? Uh, yeah, there's songs, there's statues. But where's your where's your proof? Like um, at that point, like a lot until like things started coming up, like he was just kind of considered a, a mythological figure. Right. Exactly. Uh, but historical evidence exists um, that of his existence. So there's one uh, called the Tell Dan Steel, which is an inscribed stone discovered at the ancient city of Dan in northern Israel. And the inscription dates the stone back to the ninth century and makes reference to a house of David. So that's physical, historical evidence mm-hmm. of a story in the Bible. That's a big deal. Yeah, Would have been is. a big deal uh, to the people at the time. And then um, there are other historical discoveries that you can look up. I won't get into all of them here, but there's other inscriptions like that one. There's mm-hmm. portions of fortified cities from the day, including the city of David. So, well, and one of the things I think that there's a lot of a lot of significance for that for for followers of Jesus because you see in the Bible, uh, like Jesus is referred to as the son of David. Yeah. Like the Messiah is going to come from from the line of David. So the argument can be made, well, if David didn't exist, then Jesus didn't exist or he yep. wasn't who he claimed to actually be. Right. So, I mean, just the the existence and like the a documented facts of David existing has huge implications for for Christianity as right. well. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's something that should be uh, that that. We should at least take make make, uh, make note of because mm-hmm. that that's a very big deal. Yeah, and um, you know, even in our I would say in our day to day lives, the the impact of especially the David and Goliath story, mm-hmm. you can see it um, kind of in how we think about things. Like something you and I both do from time to time is go to conferences about leadership, about church, um, things like that. And specifically, at one we were both at a couple weeks ago, yeah. there was. The kind of a running narrative through the whole thing of like, we are facing huge odds, impossible odds to overcome, almost painting us as the shepherd boys who had no hope yeah. against this giant of whatever thing we're facing. So, it's it's everywhere. You can find it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. you can. I mean, and I mean, and that's the story that we're getting ready to get into now. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna look at the anointing of of David here in a second, but. At this point in the story right now, Saul is the king of Israel. He's the yep. very first one. And God, go back and read and read the story of, of uh, Saul. It's in, you can find it in 1 Samuel. Like it, it's a fascinating story, but we're going to start looking at in chapter 15. So this is after uh, God rejected Saul because he didn't obey God's instructions and wait for Samuel to offer a sacrifice. Like Saul went ahead didn't really have faith that it was going to be provided for him and he went ahead and did it himself um and because he went out and he fought in this battle and he didn't listen to god when he was supposed to destroy all the amalekites uh their people their animals literally everything he wasn't supposed to take any prisoners and saul did that and he spared livestock he gave some to his pals he's he that wanted that wanted some of that loot and um offered some to God, but that wasn't what God wanted him to do. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't want an offering. He didn't want a sacrifice. He wanted com- complete, like, wiping out of all of these things. And so uh, Samuel comes up and says, you're done. Like, you're no longer going to be the king. He's God's going to find someone else. And Saul eventually said in First uh, Samuel 15, verse 24, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. And so we see there, like, Saul had some insecurity. I think that's kind of what what you can take away from that. Like, he he wasn't confident in in doing what God wanted him to do. 
Like he had someone in a couple people in his ear saying, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And he just caved to peer pressure. Mm -hmm. And we've all done that before. And I think, I think we can identify with that. I mean, we might not like it. We can see that it's wrong, but we can see how that happens. Yeah. Um, No, go on. Oh, I was just, I think as we saw is a huge part of the story of David that we're going to cover in in this part one. And um, as we go, we'll be able to see something you'll probably hear me say a million times before these two parts are over is just how human this story is. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to really see the humanity both in David and in Saul. And I also think uh, kind of the background of what happens with Saul sets the stage for David's entrance, so to speak, yep. because uh, Israel, you know, God has kind of been their king up to this point, but they see all the other nations have a king. They're like, we want a king. We want a king. Give yeah. us a king. And, um, God through prophets like Samuel is like, well, okay, but I'm just telling you, like, it's not going to go well. I'm yeah. telling you right now, I'm telling you up front, it's not going to go well. And they're like, we want a king. So Saul comes along, he messes up. Yep. So after all this time of Samuel being like, y'all don't want a king. Trust me. The yeah. first one comes along and he ain't fails. That great. And so this is the situation <laughs> that David is called into. Yep. And, and so, and we see like Saul was like the, whenever, if you read all of the story, which we encourage you to do, like, yep. don't, don't just hear us recite these things because we're giving you kind of truncated versions of them, but go in there and read these for yourselves. Cause Saul was like the picture perfect. Like he was, they talked about how he stood taller than everybody else. He was like a big diesel looking dude. And so like, that's, that's what people would have wanted at that time. Yeah. And so whenever uh, God tells Samuel, Go, go to Bethlehem, go to the house of Jesse, and I'm going to show you who who to anoint out of his kids. And I just imagine, whenever you read these things, I, I really think I, it's, it's funny to just imagine them as like a movie or a show in your head. Mm-hmm. So it, just take it for face value and just replay it, in, just play it in your mind's eye. Yeah. So Samuel goes there, right? He goes and he talks to Jesse and then he just kind of, it reads as he just kind of parades his children by, (laughs) (laughs) by like from the oldest right on down. And I just imagine Samuel being like, no. It's like uh, Project Runway. Yes. Jesse's house edition. (laughs) (laughs) And that, until they eventually, they run through all of the children (laughs) and he says no to all of them. And then there's one still out in the field, the youngest. They didn't even bother calling this kid up. Right. Because like, why bother? Yeah. And so they call, they call David up. He's out in the field with the sheep and, and he's like, that's the one. Mm -hmm. And they anoint him. And then that's eventually like, he's not going to be king yet, but that he's the next chosen in line. And I think we see there's a pattern there. uh, I think anyway, like Isaac, God, he never chooses the most likely candidate mm-hmm. like with uh isaac like that was abraham's second second born yeah um jacob was younger than esau joseph was the youngest out of all of jacob's 12 kids um and so immediately after that like we read we read that chapter and david gets anointed and so this is how he's kind of brought in to the court mm-hmm. um we read uh in verse 14 uh, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord left Saul and an evil spirit of the Lord came upon him and would torment him and ask. And Saul asked for someone to find a lyre player to soothe his head when the tormenting would start. And someone recommend recommended David. And that is how David ended up as the armor bearer. So that's kind of that's a very early uh, example of kind of like a like a demonic influence that word's kind of used interchangeably a lot and you can see some of the manifestations he Saul became very jealous insecure like all of those things kind of like all of those things that we'd already seen him kind of display mm-hmm. just got ratcheted up to to like a level 10 like if they was at a level one whenever he gave in to the peer pressure of of his uh, people like that that insecurity and everything else just got ratcheted up and he would he would throw spears at David whenever he's playing. Like I, but again, like this, is, I imagine David like with this little thing, and he's kind of playing it, and he's dodging and ducking and <laughs> and, and weaving about. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how David ends up 
in a position and in a place like you see you see the anointing happen and then you start seeing things kind of work out to where he ends up in a position to where he would start learning the things that he would need to know and meeting the people that yeah. he would need to meet something i uh when we cover this story for our students here something i always try to point out is that samuel comes to jesse's house anoints david out of all of his brothers you would think like the next scene is David hopping in the back of the limo to go yeah. to the palace and, you know, get fitted for his, <laughs> his crown and his, his scepter and whatever. But no, he goes back to the field. Yeah. And then the next time he goes to the palace isn't to become king. It's to serve Saul. Yes. So, you know, I kind of, how I package it is God might be calling you to something great, but it might not be instantaneous, yes. you know? So it might take time and more um, development of your skills uh, and your character before you're ready to step into whatever that is. Yep. And and you can also kind of see how where, where everything that David had been doing up to that point kind of prepared him a little bit mm-hmm. for the next story that we're going to see. Because after that, we move into David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. And for this is in 1 Samuel 17, uh, 34 through 37. I'm going to get that pagan. <laughs> but, uh, but David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. like Because this is where, but back up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So David, like there's a war going on. Like Goliath's been going out there kind of taunting folks and saying like, send somebody out, send somebody out. And all of the, the army of the Lord is kind of cowering and they're scared. And um, David comes up there because his brothers are there. They're part of the army. And he's coming up there to bring him some food from home. And they're kind of they're kind of digging on him. Like, what are you doing here? You're just trying to hang out and get out of work. Who's watching the sheep? And he's like, Ma sent me some, to bring you some lentils and, and all of the things. <laughs> and so he sees all of this happening. And, and David's like, what are you all doing? I'm like, I'm going to get that pagan. And they're like, no, nah, dude, you ain't going to get that pagan. And Dave, But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who has rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally consented and said, go ahead, may the Lord be with you. That's some smack talk right there. Like, that is some flexing <laughs> yeah. on not on literally everybody there that has been watching <laughs> Goliath come out for, for the last few weeks or so. Um, and so he did. Like, he went out. He did. Ex- not only did he talk smack, he did exactly what he said that he was going to do. Yeah. Like Saul tried to put his armor on him, which I imagine was also kind of silly because Saul was like this tall dude and David's like this kid and like he's trying to put this grown man armor on this boy. And I just he's just kind of looking there like in his dad's suit, just like, man, this don't fit. But and so he's like, no, I got this. I'll go out there and I'll do it. And he grabbed his sling and his stones and went out there and yeah, dropped him. It'd be kind of like if uh, I tried to put on Michael's armor. Because these chairs are <laughs> deceiving, and he is much taller than I am. Yes. <laughs> and so, but there's there's something there's something to this. Yep. Um, like I went, I did some research and and just kind of looked up like how accurate these slingers were. Like they they typically started training as a, at a very young age. David was a shepherd. If you look at like what they would wear. They usually had like this cord thing tied around their head that was like a sling. They also usually had one, a second one attached to their waist. Um, so like this, this isn't something like David. I don't imagine that David had been picked. Had, this was his first time picking up a sling. Yeah. Like this was something. And I mean, he even said, I've, I've been taking care of my father's sheep, my father's sheep and goats. Like that was kind of like, okay, like, we know you can use it, but like, how good are you? Yeah. Like this isn't a kid's slingshot, which no. is the imagery we often get. It's not some stick he picked up on the way and a yes. rubber band, you know, <laughs> like he, he'd been using this before. Yeah. And like they, so, and if you, if you spend any time looking up this stuff, like the, the ancient slingers, like they were far more, they, a lot of times they were more accurate than, than archers. They could hit a large, they could hit at a farther distance, smaller targets. Um, it, I'm not taking anything away from David, but like, this is something that David, at least 
kind of the way that I'm looking at it now. Mm-hmm. This was something that David had been preparing for, that God had been, David was unknowingly being prepared by God for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the confidence he has isn't just, it, it isn't kind of broadly God is with me. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to be able to do this. It's no, I've been preparing this specific skill this entire, this entire time for something that God was yeah. going to lead me to. And I think the confidence is the moment where it clicks and he yes. realizes this is it. This yep. is the thing. And, so. and he even says it like the Lord who's rescued me from the claws of lions and bears will rescue me from this Philistine. And I, this just kind of came to me. Have, are you familiar with Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. from Indiana Jones? Yeah. You know that scene where uh, Indiana's kind of running, he's dodging, and he's going through the streets and everything else. And then he comes out into this like alley or the street or whatever, and like this dude is like just whipping around this sword, and he's looking all cool. And Indy just kind of goes, "Bam!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I, I'm kind of seeing it like that. Yeah. Like he's watching, he's watching Goliath <laughs> lumbering over, and he just. Bam! <laughs> and, and drops him. I'm kind of, I'm seeing and thinking of it a, a little bit different. Not, Doesn't even break a sweat. No, like he just, <laughs> he had it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that, but that's our kind of take on David mm-hmm. and Goliath here. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know, tying back to the, to the very beginning where we talked about where you see this story in particular in culture, mm-hmm. like that's not how it goes in the Rocky movies. No. Like he doesn't know. Oh, like I got this. I'm gonna win. God's been preparing me for this. He, you know, we, there's no training montage. No, there's not. <laughs> he's not running up a mountain in, yeah. in like Ukraine somewhere yeah, right. or wherever. Yeah, he's not. He's not punching any frozen meat. At least it's not in here. So yeah. yeah. But I mean, he. It's like he just. You just recognize it. Like this is. I was made for this moment mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. And David. He he had confidence in the Lord. He was faithful to him. Like at this point, like he he was very much on his on his up and to the right type mov- uh, movement and he saw it and he's like God God had me whenever I had to fight lions and bears and all the things he's got me right here too mm-hmm. like you see someone very confident in their relationship with God yeah so that's that's David and Goliath our, our take we uh, we have also talked about David and Goliath specifically in a previous episode about giants yes. it's uh season season two episode two yep. so for more on David on, and Goliath, you yes. can go check that out. So, and now we're, and Saul, but, you know, David also had a pretty tight relationship with Saul's son. Like, he started building relationships inside the court. Yeah. Um, Saul, he's much more in the context of David's story than just the previous king that he's now been called mm-hmm. to, you know, take his spot. Um, he he has a close relationship with, Saul, with Saul's son, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. He also marries one of Saul's daughters so this is like a family family clash family breaking type thing um and we kind of see tension between david and saul and kind of how that relationship plays out and then david stepping into his calling saul kind of reckoning with what that means for him and we see that clash happen but there's even more to it and higher stakes because of their ties their family ties Mm -hmm. and then we and then all of it kind of eventually they everything just breaks apart david has to go on the run because mm-hmm. jonathan lets him know that hey Saul, my dad dad's going to try to get you yep. like you need to dip and so that's kind of whenever david has his his time in in the wilderness so to speak like he he's on the run he's having little skirmishes here little skirmishes there um but there's a there's a there's a story here. It's in First Samuel 25, and it, it kind of reads um, kind of how David was getting along during that time. It, it paints, it, it paints a, a little bit different picture of him. Yeah. So he goes, excuse me, and he sees uh, this, this family, uh, Nabal and his wife, Abigail. And so David, his folks were on the run, and so he, he – if you can read this, he he's been hanging out here. He's been seeing this sheep herder and all of his all of his stuff, and it starts out like this: There was a certain man in Moan who had property there at Carmel. Was and he was very wealthy. He had a thousand he had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. 
I love the way, pay attention to how biblical characters are introduced. So <laughs> you read, you, you read here, his name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. That's the Calebite. That meant dog. Like, so like he, this is where they always kind of tell you exactly what to expect from characters. Whenever, whenever you read them, she was, she was beautiful and intelligent and her husband was mean and just a mean, surly dog. But anyway, so in verse seven, David, David sees all the things that he knows it's sheep shearing time. And so he sends this message uh, to, to Nabal. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable towards my men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son, David, whatever you can find for them. Like it's, it reads, this is a nice building you have. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Like we didn't not, we didn't break down your door and steal your things last week. Yeah. So what, what do you got today? It's like it, an old Western. It reads a little bit like a mafioso <laughs> shakedown. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's something culturally that, that I'm missing. Yeah. But if you just take it on the, the face value of the text, it does read a little bit sketch. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I just find that I, I find a couple things interesting there. I find the descriptors of the way that they introduce biblical characters kind of interesting and just the way that it all kind of plays out. Yep. I mean, Nabal ends up dying. And then Abigail ends up David's wife. Like, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of things going on there that I think are worth <laughs> at least acknowledging that David doesn't at this point. It's not a clear black and white. Yeah, I I think you know, like you said earlier, I would just encourage anybody <laughs> go read this stuff for yourself. We yeah. are we are going through it at like mock speed. Yes, and, and kind of just kind of scratching the surface of it. And I I mean David's up there like behind Jesus as one of the most mentioned people in the Bible. So yeah. there's there's plenty here that we're not even going to touch on. But I think this period between when David defeats Goliath up until where we're going to end part one, where he becomes king, there's a lot in here and a lot of time where David's on the run, he's yes. on the road, and often just kind of his overarching narrative, this time period is like, well, this is training for him to become mm-hmm. king. And, you know, we do see some of that and like something we haven't even touched on and could be its own episode, honestly, is Mm -hmm. the Psalms. Yeah. He's writing a lot of the Psalms during this time and uh, kind of displaying his his feelings towards God and his desperation towards God. But, um, yeah, we kind of see it as training for him to become king. But then we see. This would be a training montage for David. There you go. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But there's some things in there thrown in like this that are kind of run counter to yeah. everything else that we know about him and everything else we've talked about up until now. Yeah. And then, and there's also, there's also a, a, an episode in here for, <clears throat> excuse me, for Saul, mm-hmm. um, where he goes, Saul realizes that literally everything is slipping away. He, he, he got told by, by Samuel that he's no longer going to be King. It's going to be taken from him, given to someone else. And it's, it, he he's just a man that is just desperate for just for any kind of affirmation, any type of, of just message from from God or just anybody, because yep. he hasn't really felt God's presence in his in his life for a while. And so he goes and he seeks out something that was expressly forbidden. Like when when Joshua led everybody into the promised land, the one thing that he was supposed to do was completely wipe out all uh, remnants of prior religions. The first thing he did, he was told specifically not to make alliances with anybody. Spoiler alert, first chapter in, <laughs> that's exactly what he does. Um, but, and, but he was supposed to remove all remnants of all of these other religions and things like that and all these mediums and witches and, and idol worshipers and all the things. And then that was also supposed to be one of Saul's things. Like that was his mandate to go and do this stuff. But here... When he, when he goes and sees the witch at Endor, all he he's just trying to find he he goes there and he's just trying to find some sort of connection and affirmation to to God or whatever. And he goes and and seeks out this witch, and she and says and he asks her to bring um, summon him the spirit of Samuel. And Samuel's like, "What are you doing?" 
And, and so it's just a really interesting story, but it, it just goes to show that whenever you don't have that connection with God or you don't know how to have that connection with God, you'll literally seek it out wherever you can. Mm-hmm. And he just wanted to know like what was going to happen. But all he had to do was just go to a, a prophet or a priest and have that connection to God established. But he, he just sought it out wherever he could because he was that desperate of a guy. Right. Um, so that was kind of what ended up happening there. And then from uh, then he goes on and he has a fight with, uh, with the Philistines and him and Jonathan, they lose. And then Saul eventually commits suicide because he feared what was going to happen if they actually captured him. And so uh, an Amalekite comes along, sees Saul lying there, decides he maybe can go get uh, a a reward or something, or at least a favorable thing from David. So he grabs some of Saul's stuff, goes to David and says, Hey, I got him. David's like, what do you think you're doing? Mm -hmm. And then for his troubles, he gets like kind of taken out. And that's, that's the end of Saul, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, to, in, in this time to be a king of a nation and to be defeated and captured by an enemy was mm-hmm. not something you wanted. It was yeah. not going to be a fun time for you. So Saul, you know, would have seen death as a better alternative yeah. at this point. And then similarly, it was a big part of the culture at the time to honor people when they did die, not mm-hmm. not to use it as a means for profit yeah. <laughs> or, or a time to, to make a buck. So that's why we see, I think that's part of the reason why we see David so upset. About this. Yeah, and I mean, and even so, after that, like uh, some the other people, oh, there we go. Some <laughs> some uh, you know the other tribes, like there were twelve tribes, like yep. the tribe of Judah, which is where David was from. Like they were had his back. A lot of the other ones had Saul's back during this whole this whole war, and so the remaining people, not with Judah or David, they they kind of raised Ishbosheth as the son of Saul as the king of Israel. Yeah, um, and he kind of got it in a beef with his military commander. That one's also worth checking out. And uh, I think that's Second Samuel 4. That's also worth checking out. And the, that commander says, well, I'll go to, I'm going to go jump ship. I'm going to go to David's side. Some assassins come in, take care of Ishbosheth. expect to go, to go to David, expecting a reward. And he's like, have you not heard what I just did, what I did earlier to the guy that brought me the news about about Saul, what right. do you think I'm going to do to you? Yeah, it did not go well. Yeah, just uh, and so, but that was kind of how David ended up. It was after that that all the tribes said, "Okay, like, let's just rally around David," and that's how David became ended up becoming king of all of Israel. It's all very Game of Thrones. It Look. reads a lot. Like I've read all of those books that yeah. are out. I'm patiently waiting for the winds of winter <laughs> you might be waiting for a while i don't i don't think we'll ever get it but if we ever do yeah. like i'm very excited but it reads a lot of like it reads a lot like that there's a lot of intrigue and backstabbing and ship jumping and and all of these things yeah. Look, and so it's it's worth reading for yourself i i i can say this because i've been this guy if you think the bible is boring but you love game of thrones start in first samuel 16 yeah. and read through like second kings probably second chronicles honestly and it's it's all here yeah it's all here okay no it's a fascinating read and but that but that's the story of how david became king we see this kid go from from his humble origins and i mean and there's a lot just the whenever he is in the service of of saul and people start singing you know saul got his thousands and david's got got Say, and David has got his tens of thousands. Yeah. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, but, I mean, David, did, it, it's an awesome read. But mm-hmm. we just wanted to kind of give an overview of of the introduction of David and kind of his life and really just try to humanize Saul and him both in this as we went. Yeah. Well, we uh, I guess this is kind of where we'll leave off the story for yeah. part one. Um, this is the after chat and... <laughs> We will have a, a clip for you. Yes. But next time. So we're gonna leave you with a cliffhanger for yes. this one. But whenever you but for this portion of David's life. Yeah. Like 
what has and for preparation for this episode like, sure, has sure. there been a change in your opinion of Saul or David or just the way that you think of this as a whole I think um you know this is a story that in church we we cover often um and so I think any time that I've been back over it it's like on repeat mm-hmm. readings you notice something different that pops out and this particular time getting ready for this it was really just the human moments in between. Mm. Like I talked about um, David being anointed before, but then having to go serve under Saul. And that's, that's how he ends up in the palace. Like, yes, I, I, I think about like, how would he have felt about that? How would Saul have felt about that? Um, or he defeats Goliath. And, you know, as you said, he's been going up and to the right. Yes. And then kind of this pinnacle moment of he defeats Goliath. And then, Saul tries to kill him. He has to go on the run. So I just, it's really cool to see in a story that has so much mythology and mystique and aura around it, how human it is. Yes. Whether it's David, whether it's Saul, um, whether it's Jonathan, whether it's uh, uh, Abigail, like mm-hmm. there's, it's so human and it's so relatable even if the circumstances aren't the emotions are you know what i mean yeah and and like for me i mean david he knew what he knew what his ultimate destination was Mm -hmm. you know and he had no idea about the uncertainties and challenges that that were going to come his way like he couldn't foresee how planned how god's plan for him would unfold and we don't always get that get that for us as well you know we may find ourselves uh, grappling with with the unknown, which I'm sure David did, and you read him, you see him reflect that in the Psalms during that time, because he his the path that he had before him was just completely uh, unsure. But no, no matter what the uncertainties that he was facing was, and this is something that's true for us, like we can take we can take comfort in in the assurance that if we remain faithful and steadfast in our pursuit of God, that His plan will ultimately unfold before us. And I yeah. think that's what I kind of take away from this portion of David's story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. This was a, this was a good talk, man. Yeah, I like fun. this one. So yeah. uh, like subscribe, share, find us in our Facebook group. If you leave us a review, we'll get you uh, one of our mugs. I'm dripping. Yours is sweaty. Mine is sweaty. <laughs> you know, I put, so we got this root beer yeah. in here and it's fantastic. It's the frosty root beer. I put ice in mine. So it's a little, we got some condescension going on or condensation. What is it? Condensation. Condensation. So condescension. Um, con- don't it's, condescend it's to so me. It's so condescending. Oh my gosh. So Stop looking at me like that. So rude it is sometimes. But if you leave us a review and, and we read it, we'll, we'll get you a mug out. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Cool. Thanks for joining us for The After Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCC Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.